Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. continuing our series, The Fall. It's my honor to lead us in reading God's word, letting it wash over us, teach us who he is and how we can be wrecked by it. I mean, it's a good thing to let God's word continue to wash over us. You know, there's a word in our society that is, it is a three letter word that we do not like to use. Because with it is associated shame, attached is blame, and what's even attached in it is this form of judgment, where we judge each other, we rank each other, and then we start to say, am I better, am I worse, and we size each other up. And that three-letter word is none other than S-I-N, sin. And we think, okay, well... Let's just do as we see fit and as we please. But at some point, if our desires don't seem appropriate or aligned with whatever conviction we feel internally, maybe these sensors get calloused or burnt off and seared and our consciousness, we just don't have one. And we look to either somebody else to impose one. We, we go against something. And then the moral standard that's set in front of us, we can either receive or reject. And then we all become these mini gods and your right ways, right? Or my ways, right? And we can kind of debate on that. But at some point we all need something objectively outside of us that, that calibrates us all. And this is where the beauty is. We, we believe that there's a maker who made us all and he knows how we're designed, how we should be properly used. And one of the most underrated qualities in the body of Christ is this repentance, letting things fall off of us, tending, we call it in the roots. We wrote some material. You can go check it out at getrooted.org. And Route 5 being this, that we're now walking with Jesus. And part of this process is I not only repented to get into the kingdom of God. I said, God, your ways are higher. I'm sorry. I put my faith in Jesus. I can't. He did it. He can. That's it. Final case closed. I'm in. And that's forever. The grace of God I didn't deserve, but he gave is so lavish. It's never ending. It is all consuming. It's powerful. But on this journey, I'm going to mess up again. So did he die for my sins yesterday? Did he die for them today? But friend, I'm here to tell you he died for our sins tomorrow. But it's not an excuse to then say, well, God's just going to forgive me. And how do I play this out premeditatedly and in all these things? But what we say is no ongoing repentance is beautiful. If, if our life is soil, we, we need to look at it and get some weeds out of it every once in a while. And we could say, well, today, there's no way God would forgive me of X, Y, Z. God already knows it. He's just waiting for us to come and ask him to take it. I had an individual call me this week and said, could God really forgive me of this? And then they told me what it was. And I said, oh, one, don't give your sins so much credit. Don't give the enemy so much power. God is greater than anything 
Today's message is the faithfulness of God triumphs the fall. The faithfulness of God triumphs the fall. No matter how great our fall is, no matter how big our mistake is. So our mistakes are not greater than God's grace. The grace of God covers mistakes. And then out of that, I naturally want to obey. It happens as a byproduct of spending time abiding in the grace of God. We're looking at the story of David's life. And you might know David for a whole list of different reasons. But David has a monumental mistake, which we all have had in our lives, whether there's repetitive mistakes that carry on for seasons, or if there's moment mistakes that it was just, oh, in a place of weakness, we made stupid decisions and we can't think we actually did it. David is known as, throughout scripture, a shepherd. I mean, he's taking care of sheep when no one's looking. He gets recruited. He's the least likely of the brothers in his family. And he, he's overlooked by his stature. People think he's not going to be chosen to be the king, but he absolutely is. He's a warrior who then goes slays Goliath. He was an underdog that no one saw. But when he goes against Goliath, people thought he was the underdog, but he wasn't. Because what he was working on when nobody was looking... He knew how to sling stones because he had been protecting the, the flock. He'd been protecting against different animals. And he had gotten so good at slinging stones that eventually he knew two things. He knew that his God is great and faithful and would show up no matter what. And he knew that he had stones and that was more than enough. So what looked like was a big obstacle, a big giant Goliath. David wasn't the underdog in that moment because of God and because of his skill set. So you might know him as from David Goliath. You might know him from as a poet. He writes beautiful poetry. And you might know him as a musician. He writes songs. But he is also known as a king because he was anointed king. And what we do sometimes in life is we say, hey, I slayed a Goliath, Goliath once. So the giants are going to fall down based on my skill set. But here's the, here's the fact, friend. The Goliaths in our life, they only fall because of Christ and what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. The power was never in me or you, was never in David. And we're going to look when David gets, he gets off, he gets distorted. We're going to look at one of his, um, what he's known for as well, which by the end of it, we're going to talk about how God knows him and how does God know our mistakes. And it's when he sleeps with Bathsheba. So let's pick up the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Here's verse 1. And when we open God's word, it's not just like something that we're shoving down the throat. I think people have a genuine question. How does something thousands of years ago apply to today? We believe God's word is ancient, timeless, perfect, but also futuristic. It, we, we, we learn what's going on in the culture and the context there, but, but we also then see how it connects here today. And then we realize that it's still, uh, it's still alive. And through the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit breathes life in, into it, we're learning there of who God is, but also then we're futuristically on his mission as well. And some of us, we either get too tripped up and I just want to know the ancient, but then we're dismissing that God is still active and still moving. Right. And, and so we're, we're ancient 
um, can, we're, we're in our, in doctrine, we're in the orthodoxies, but yet we're also dreaming into the new discoveries of who God is, how, uh, of how he operates doing a new thing, right? God is always doing a new thing, but he's also ancient. So anyway, so that hopefully just connects a little bridge real quick as we jump into God's word. Verse one, in the spring, when Kings march out to war, what's David? I mean, he's a King. So it's only natural he would march out to war. And in springtime, marching out to war, why? Because there's no harvest happening yet. There's no, um, the, the, the labor work of the crop isn't happening yet. So the workers aren't going to be dispersed into the crops yet. So you've got a big workforce that you could go out and take some territory. You could then go extend your kingdom and you look for an optimal time to lead and conquer and make war. So in a time when kings would go out to war, David being a king, he naturally should go to war, but he doesn't. David sent Joab with his officers in all Israel. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and strolled around on the roof of the palace. So here's Joab going out with the army. The contrast of David's setting is remarkable. It is so stark. It is so different. Here's David lavish at home in the palace. Here's his team out there getting messy in the war. David has fought many wars. He knows war well. Maybe at some point he's like, you know what? The team's got it. I'm going to stay at home as we get a little bit more. We grow up a little bit. Maybe wars kind of made us a little tired. We don't want to fight anymore. I'm just going to stay home and I'm going to indulge. And what happens is we forget so quick. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. A very beautiful woman. Now, friend, has anyone ever caught your attention sexually? Have you ever seen, oh man, that woman, that guy, they are beautiful. It is a catch your attention. I heard one pastor say this. It's not the first thought that gets you in trouble. It's if you let it stay and you let it rest. And then the second thought, we embellish on it. We start to fantasize and then, and then it grows and then it becomes something that's uncontrollable. <laughs> Man, I like, I like how um, I heard Pastor Brad preaching the sermon once and he goes, it's like, okay, if you don't get the fire in the fireplace and you start the fire on the carpet, the place will burn down. So you got to contain the fire first. And when we're talking about any type of sexual desires or sin, there's a priority. That's how God, there's a way that God intended it for. And it's one of the only things in scripture that God says, run. Like, so David close to God, singing with God, knows God well, would know this, run. What do we do though? <laughs> Sometimes we don't run, we negotiate. Oh, well, that's, look how pretty she, oh, uh, do, I, do I double take and, uh, oh, and, you know, and it becomes overwhelming. And, and, and if we're all honest today, and if we don't do the size up, we have all found ourselves in this web. We have all found ourselves in this web in some way, shape, or form. And a lot of times in that web, here's how we come out of it. We say, well, this is what was going on, but I didn't, right? But I didn't. So let's just look at what David did then. So what, how does this uh, noticing of this beautiful woman 
continue. So David sent someone to inquire about her. He's like, hey, this is before DMs and the Instagram. This is before Tinder. This is before like profiles. Just, hey, hey, what's Shorty up to? Just want to know. Maybe she could be on the team. What's she up to? How she, I mean, what's she doing? It's not my wife, someone else. But hey, just how's she doing? So David sent someone to inquire about her. And he said, isn't this Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam and wife of Uriah the Hethite? Now David sent his messengers to get her. And when she came to him, he slept with her. What's fascinating about this moment is, not only is it entering the story of how David falls in this moment, but Uriah, her husband, is one of his right-hand soldiers. I mean, this is one of his homies. Because when, when sin overtakes us, we're not making logical decisions. We're making fire decisions. We're making hunger decisions. We're not making holy decisions. We're making thirsty decisions. This is why at the end of the day, our willpower is lower. And that's when we need new habits, new rituals, new routines. And now we have this thing in our pocket at any given time. We can see anybody who's beautiful at the night. No one has to see, no one has to know. But here's the thing, God always knows. And what's interesting too, is to think about this and leaders for a moment. If you lead anything, myself, all of us, if we lead anything, when leadership gets too far away, removed from the mission, catastrophic things can happen, period. Leadership can never be too far removed from the mission. One model that gets this really well, I think, is Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is an example when they let their franchise, their franch franchisee, People take over a franchise. There's a very strenuous process. And then finally you get in. It's been well documented. It's been talked about in different entrepreneur circles for a long time. And then what happens is, is the, it has to be an owner-occupied store. You can't own multiple stores. You got to own it. You got to be there. You got to take, you got to work X amount of hours per week. You got to be in it. You got to be vested because if you're not vested, you'll start to then you just, just wander. You'll maybe it won't, the product won't be as good. And, and, and we forget that the love of the game, why we do it, that we're connected, the mission, the people where we're here, right here, right now. Cause sin decisions. And for leaders, a lot of times we know the right thing, right? It's not like a leader ever signs up and says, oh, yeah, I can't wait to like one day destroy my life. Heck no. And so then we understand, well, why does the mind make such decisions like this? Why would it make such failure points? Because in David's situation, what happens here is not only is he with Uriah's wife, he eventually, Uriah comes back. And the story continues, and I, we won't get to read it all right now. I hope you go read it later. He arranges to make sure Uriah gets killed in the next battle. So therefore, he wants him to sleep with Bathsheba. Nobody will know because if Bathsheba gets pregnant, David, the situation he takes his homie, he convinces, he just starts to flip it and say, no, 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 no. Because this is what sin does. Sin starts to cover up and it gets really scared. Skin gets really scared. It gets really scared. And what do we do? This is all the way back in the fall. Genesis 3. 
Because when Satan shows up, you know what he says? Here's what he says. He says, did God really say obey? Did God really say this one tree don't eat? Did God really say like, look, have tons of wives? Did God really say, does it matter? You can be angry in your heart. Did God really say, hey, fight fire with fire? Did God really, did God really say, man, God is God. Yeah, he, when he says, we listen and we sometimes get it twisted. We look at what we can't do instead of what we can do. You know what? There's one tree we can't eat, but there is a whole world that we can discover. And being honest and vulnerable, friend, hear this. Be honest and vulnerable with the nature of our sin so that we don't have to fight any battle alone. Here's David alone without his team, not doing the thing that he's, still, that he's called to do, that he's been set apart to do, to lead God's people on mission. He's a warrior. And when we don't do what we're called to do, we're most prone to make the biggest mistakes of our life. And here's where the sauce, here's where the fuel comes in. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are. David signed up and David is referenced and maybe you know him in another way. He's a man after God's own heart. See, David was connected at a heart level of who he was based on whose he was. It's always an identity issue. Obedience is always identity. <laughs> I mean, period. I'm not going to sin because that's just not who I am in Jesus. I turn the light on. But if I start to make it behavior modification and, and, and come with me for a minute, if I start to make a behavior modification of how I can be the best product of myself, I do not have the willpower. I am not strong enough. There's studies about addiction and different levels of addiction, whether that is gambling or um, as obvious to notice as drugs, but it can be as subtle. Some of us, we're, we're addicted to gossip, like low key, like, what up? I can't believe, like, just pray for him, but don't tell him, don't call him. You know what I mean? We're just like, it's just like we're in the blender. So each one of us is in the blender in some particular way. But what's interesting about the mind in studies of addiction is there's typically a cue, then there's a ritual, and then there's a reward. So the cue is some type of good or bad event happens. Now I can perform this ritual. It could be as subtle as I'm going to eat a pizza, or it could be as crazy as, you know, somebody's out doing the craziest of drugs. And, it, and then that reward is how they feel, how we feel, and this is what happens. Oh, I'm gonna justify. And then we're in that cycle. We're in that vicious cycle. What God does is he takes us out of this habitual cycle and then he makes us new like him. And when we're new like him, there's this new pace of grace, this rhythm that the highs don't have to be as high because the lows don't have to be as low. And I'm just gonna connect into that constant because we have a God now that walks with us through the valleys. And he celebrates us with on the mountaintops, but he's present in both situations because our addictions won't be. Our addictions in whatever form and whatever sin, they're, they're, they're escape mechanisms. We have to lean into what we feel. We lean in to the things that we picked up these last six months. We lean in and we say, God, I can't, where this is going, I'm home, I'm home alone. I'm supposed to be out to war. I know I'm called for more. That head trash, it keeps playing out. I mean, I'm not living the way I'm supposed to be. I know that I'm called for more. I know I should be doing more. And then we got to reset it, recalibrate, man. What is my first love? How do I get back to the basics? How do I not distort? And, 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 and some of us, we don't even, we've never entertained. What does God want? Like, what is sin? We could be doing some, some things in life and we haven't spent the time with God. But, but if we remember 
how he found us. I want to get to know him more. I want to study him more. The ology, the study of God, and we move with that. We do with that. And we see more of him as we lift him up. We make him famous. And then we flow and we operate like him. I remember when I first got, uh, my life changed. You know, brand new, Easter Sunday, addiction falling off of me. I'm a new creature. But I, I didn't know much about life. I, I was like, dude, um, alcohol's legal. Shoot. I never drank alcohol, really. I was never into it, never into the taste. It was never my drug of choice. And so I was like, let's just go out to the bar and stuff. This is sweet. And I'm like, yo, you know, and next thing you know, I find a drink I like. And I'm like, oh, I found this little Hawaiian punch type thing. I'm like, oh, this ain't that bad. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, and then next thing you know, you got some Jaeger bombers. People are like, I tell people this story sometimes. They're like, Jaeger bombers? Oh, don't act like you wouldn't do something like, I don't know what your choice is, but just because I'm a, we, we all been in the spiral somehow, some way, shape, or form. And then I'm in the bathroom and, and, uh, and I go and then I'm looking in the mirror and I could hear the Holy Spirit clear as day. I just saved you, cleaned you, delivered you. And this is how you repay me. This is how you obey. And it was kind of how God talks to me. He talks to each one of us, you know, through his word, but he customizes the, even the tone sometimes. I needed a little bit of that, you know, pow, like the good coach to get in my face and then look at me and say, hey, look. And I knew that moment. I knew, look, I was now convicted of something that I wasn't in the past. I had a choice. I could either let that fall off of me and move on, or I could double down on my own sin and double down on the cover-up, double down and be like, well, God, did God really say you start negotiating with God. Did God really say? We start negotiating with sin. Man, did God really say one wife? Did God really say uh, 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 unity? Did God really say to, to, to forgive? This is tough. This is tough. In that moment, I said, you know what? The three words. You want to know three words that can change that three-letter word? Three words can change everything. And for those that have ever done your wedding, you already know this one. And it, the three words is this, I am sorry. I am sorry, God. I am sorry. I am sorry. What does David do? What does he do? Sins. Moment of weakness not being where he's supposed to be, that head trash, that shame. Reading about Judas this week, sin, that head trash, that shame. Jonah, he got swallowed by a fish. The head trash, the shame. David eventually gets confronted for his sin in the next chapter 12 by Nathan the prophet, a prophet speaking on behalf of God. And the prophet confronts him in sin. And in that moment, he can either justify, here's why I did it. And we could say, we can give a reason, well, I was at home, it was weak, and da da da. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or he can say, I am sorry. And who would he say sorry to? We'll pick up the story in 2 Samuel 12. David said to Nathan, 
Verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. After Nathan confronts him, David's response when he realizes that he has sinned and he realizes the story Nathan's telling him is about him and his mistake. Because friend, when we are in darkness, when we're making mistakes, sometimes we don't even know. And we have to have the humility to say, God, tend me. Let this fall off of me. You still with me? Come on. If you're at home, get ready. We're going to go somewhere beautiful. The story is quite profound. I mean, this is a man after God's own heart, after all. And what's interesting about the Bible, this is fascinating, is that it includes the failures of the people who help scribe it. Would you want your biggest failures in the Bible? I wouldn't. I've made some monumental mistakes. But it proves the validity that we can start to give it more merit. Wow, it's including the failures of people to show us it was never about the people. It's about God and what he can do. But we're going to constantly have to be abiding, constantly have to be pruning, constantly have to be tending, letting things fall off of us especially in this season. Come on, Mission Ganders, letting stuff fall off of us. So he says, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed, you have utterly scorned the Lord. The child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. This is something that deserves some more study for all of us. This has been a tough passage because the consequence of sin is manifested into the physical. Some of our consequences of sin not, isn't, isn't always manifested into the physical. But for this particular moment, and God doesn't just do it without hope because you could think, well, what, what a bad judge. I thought he's merciful. I thought he's slow to anger. I thought he's going to do all these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all those things. But for this particular the instance of how, how the, 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 the payment for sin was playing out, this child will not be born, but it, it, that David says, I will see you again. And he, and, he, and, he, and he does everything possible. He's like praying, he's lamenting, he's crying out, he's asking for forgiveness, sackcloth, ashes. God, if there's any way, let the child live. And that's how the story continues to go on. But, but he says, I will see the child again. So he, he knows there's still hope and there's still moment and there's still future. But what's interesting is the thing that we can carry over, the the, the overlapping principle for each one of us, hear this this morning, the overlapping principle is, first, we've always sinned against God, which is way more threatening than sinning against man. Because we want to know, okay, what's going to be the consequence of this? And some of our consequences, jail time, some of our consequences, is who knows the consequences in, in, in life, but, but the consequence of sin is death eternally that we would be separated but God. But Jesus, right? The fall, okay? The faithfulness of God triumphs the fall. This is beautiful. Here's what happens during our mistakes. And um, worship team, if you guys could come up, give a little, maybe Rob starts playing a little uh, guitar for me. That'd be beautiful. So we set the tone. When we don't understand the character and the nature of God, 
if we get confronted in our sin from somebody else or we get just convicted in those moments in the bathroom when it's like, you're getting drunk. That's sin. Dang, you're right. I mean, one drink, two drink, whatever you do, like that's, that's, that's not sin. But if, if the reason is to drown something out, escape, and we're getting drunk, like drunk is sin and escaping sin. And we say, wow, okay, God, how do I get close? When our mistakes, here's our mistakes. Our mistakes say, huh, go hide, hide from God. But here's what grace says. I've messed up. I better run to God and tell him because he's the only one that can clean me first. And I'll let him deal. I, I'll trust him on how he's going to use my life. I'll trust him. And I know a lot of times we're afraid to approach God with anything and, and, and ask for forgiveness. And we, the reason we're so afraid is because people have crushed us. And it's twofold. There will always be some form of repentance with, with someone, but there's always first with God, the one. There's always first. Take a couple notes and then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do the best work. Here to be a couple notes. There's proactive, proactive health in Jesus where if, if David would have been doing the right thing and going to war, never happens, right? Proactive. And then there's, you know, and the proactive is even form of maintenance, going in for oil changes. Hey, what's going on? I need to take some time off. There's some junk that's been picking up on me in this season. It's tough. And then there's reactive repair reactive is the tough stuff it's like oh boy deal with this please god so david does say hey god please i'm sorry and of course naturally he would i mean sorry uriah's family you imagine the levels of i'm sorry he has to say later but this is why this is why He's a person after God's own heart because he knew who God was in the rightful place in his life. This God was faithful to me when I deserved nothing. He deserves all my life. I've sinned against the Lord first. Psalm uh, 51. This is David after the Bathsheba moment. It says, be, he's, you know, it's a song he's writing. God, be gracious to me according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I've sinned and done this evil in your sight. The reason this is so emotional for me, I have been in these moments when the only thing that mattered is getting right with God. I have been in these moments, praying these prayers, just sitting in a car alone and saying, God, cleanse me. I have sinned against you. The replays of my sin are constantly on loop and against you alone. And so you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Like God, you could do anything you want. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. This is post-mistake. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. 
Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Man, someone's got to pray today. God, even if you got to break a bone, even if you got to break a bone, I want to be right with you. And in our culture, just kind of give you, a, give you some real sauce for a second. If you were behind the scenes, I'd say things like this. This is a front porch experience. We love you. It's great. But if you're in the house for a moment, I'll give you just a kitchen talk. A kitchen talk would be this. In our society right now, we have every reason to just say, hey, God, I don't need you. We have every reason to say, hey, you aren't showing up today. We have every reason to say, well, I'm going to be bitter. We have every reason to say, you know what? It doesn't matter, God. But, but there's also this other side where we start to say, God, even if you got to break a bone to get me where you got to go, do it. And I think the soldiers of Jesus Christ are being purified right now to get some bones broken so that we can run better, we can run faster, we can love people deeper. And that can't be theory. That's got to be in the game. Verse nine, turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast love spirit from within. This is, we're starting to pray this right now. Do not banish me from your presence or take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then, here's where he signs up. Then, come on, then, I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. What am I doing today? I'm teaching, I'm teaching that the sinners can come home and return. God did it for David. He cleaned him. The mistakes were obvious. There was ripple effects of that sin carried out to the child. But God, that's not the end of the story. God continues to use David's life. And eventually, through the lineage of David comes Jesus. Because the faithfulness of God triumphs the fall. And then in the New Testament, Acts 13, 22, this is how David is remembered. And removing him, he raised up David as their king and testified about him. I have found David, the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart who will carry out all my will. What's not referenced there is David's mistakes. What's not referenced there is Bathsheba. What's not referenced there is Uriah. What's not referenced, what is referenced there is David is pursuing God and David's heart is connected to God because the faithfulness of God triumphs our falls. Here's where we're going to go. We're going to sing, Jesus, break every chain today. Like, I am sorry. Sorry. Because there's multiple ways we could think about this. And this is why getting in a group is so key. We start to, to, to talk about it and break it down more. And, and I, I wish we could do that with every single person, but I'm going to embrace my limits. Jesus had 12. I'm here with about 12 people and we're here. We're, it, it, and this is, this is what's happening and that's okay. But I would encourage you to continue to flesh this out today. Continue to flesh this out this week. Continue to ask more questions. Continue to ask the Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? Because sometimes we make excuses and we say, well, I'm going to fall. But the fall is mad overrated. Who wants the fall? The mad, the fall is so overrated. That's whack. We don't need these great grandiose testimonies like, Joe, tell me what you used to be in. Man, I want to hear testimonies of obedience. I want my kids to be that they avoided the fall. I want my kids to be that they weren't like Esau, that they traded the birthright for a moment of hunger. But yet at the same time, I want us to remember Esau, that Esau can still come back home, that David can still come back home. So there's tension from each, but all of us are going to be doing this. Repentance is underrated. We're all going to be repenting of something. Repentance is so underrated. And repentance is confession to someone. Not everyone. You don't need to get online. It's to someone, but it's always first to God. So if you got to proactively today just say, God, preserve me. 
so I run. God, keep me in the mission. I'm a leader leading something, and I do not want to make a mistake this, this, this tragic. God, keep me in the mission. I had to drive some of the neighborhoods in the city this week just to remind myself, hey, God, keep me in the mission. Because if everybody's re, re, removed to a blog post, I don't like people online. I don't like people just through a post. I don't, I'm not just liking the way our little bite size. But I know God doesn't just see a bite size. He wants everything. He comes in holistically. He wants to be amongst and just drive and start a remind. God, please remind me of the mission. So you could pray that and say, God, I need to be reminded of the mission today. I want to proactively pray. Preserve me. And then secondly, there's some chains that need to get broken off. I want to reactively pray. I need something to fall off today. I mean, fall off. You know, like fall off. Holy Spirit, only you can do it. I'm going to invite you right now. This tragic mistake. I'm going to invite you right now and sin against the Lord. And he creates a clean heart in us. And the way he'll remember us, our sin no more. He'll cast it to the east of the west. Repentance is a beautiful opportunity. It's not condemnation or shame. Conviction's a miracle. Let's sing. Jesus, break every change. Come on. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.